Burbank for the touchdown. Burbank, the rookie from Boomer. He grew up in Garfield, New Jersey, 10 minutes from Giant Stadium. You're talking about a kid who is just all heart. Welcome to the Underdog Jets podcast with Wayne Corbett and Robbie Sabo. Welcome back, New York Jets fans, to the Underdog Jets podcast with Wayne Corbett. And we are here on Tuesday, June 21st, the beginning of the week after mandatory minicamp. And there's a lot to discuss. We're heading into the dead period here, but there is a lot to discuss with number 80. Here he is, Wayne, fresh off a trip. He was, he's been a busy man the last week. I'll tell you that. Wayne, how you doing? Good. Yeah, I headed to Lake George with the family. Like I said, we did the fishing, mini golf, arcade. Horseback riding, white river rafting. We uh, we did the we did the whole gamut. So it's good to be back and uh, talk some jets. Yeah, you actually hopped on a horse yourself too, right? Yes, I was on a horse. Okay, um, just a trail horse, but uh, it was weird because one of my stirrups was higher than the other. So the whole time I was kind of riding like that. My 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 parent, uh, my my kids and my wife thought I was falling off the whole time. But uh, it's nice, nice to get away for a little bit before uh, before the summer comes. Yeah, my heart is in Lake George. We used to go there for family vacations every summer growing up, camping on an island. So great place. Love it. Yeah. Um, and you were also at the One Jets Drive, the documentary or flight, what is it called? Flight 2022 this year? It was flight and, 2022, yeah. Yeah, and it was a big, big night. Was that Wednesday night or Thursday night, I believe? A lot um, of Jets fans came out. Yeah, Wednesday night. There was uh, some of the, you know, Gotham City crew and some... Uh, yep. Season take holder, season take holder. It wasn't a massive event, but me, uh, Tony Richardson, and Jericho Cotri did a Q and A. You know, Jericho, I haven't seen in twenty years since uh, since he left, so it was nice to see him and catch up. But uh, you know, they're Emmy Award winning, you know, crew that puts these things together. One Jets here, but flight flight twenty twenty two. The original episode is all about the leading up to the draft and the first round of the draft and what went on behind the scenes and, you know, Sal and you know, Joe Douglas and what he talked to the, the picks that they uh, had in the first round. And then what he went through trying to get on the clock, uh, back on the clock to, you know, trade up and get uh, yep. Jermaine Johnson. So it's, it's awesome. I think it's a six part series, but you should definitely check it out. Yeah. I have not seen it myself, but I did see that clip where they elaborated and went deep into that process. Douglas trying, you know, seeing each pick Jermaine Johnson sliding, you know, and that trailer itself was tremendous. So I'm going to check it out. Um, the jets, they, they get, they deserve a lot of applause for the documentary stuff that they put together. No, no question about it. Yeah. Like I said, it's just in this, the, you know, intense music, the dramatic music they put to it. And you just see Joe on the phone, calling, calling, calling. And then all of a sudden he puts down the phone and he says, we're on the clock. And like, you know, they went nuts. So, we're on the effing clock. We'll keep it family friendly, folks. Yeah, we're on the effing clock. So, uh, you know, it's just a nice take for, you know, I have my parents with me to see what goes on 
behind closed doors, everything that goes into how many, you know, seconds, you know what I mean? I think, and I think they had six out hundred hours of film that they put into six episodes. So they do a great job. Yeah. That's incredible. I mean, Jets fans are always wondering, are they ever going to get back on hard knocks, but Hey, I mean, do they even need to, the, the organization does one hell of a job as it is. Yeah. There, there's no need for that. You know, this is, they do put it out the way they, they want to put it out. And, uh, you know, I look like the, another award-winning show. Absolutely. So mini camp, mandatory mini camp last week, Tuesday and Wednesday were a week later. And I'm glad we're talking about it a week later because, you know, we had, we had a chance to digest it a little bit, step back, let everyone else put out the news. And I kind of like that, you know, the initial quick rapid reaction is sometimes misguided and you're not even trying to be misguided. So what I saw was there for both practices, Tuesday and Wednesday, where the media was available. And what I saw was Zach Wilson looking confident. I mean, everyone knows I'm a fan of Zach Wilson. I'm a fan of the move, trading Darnold, drafting this kid. Was he the perfect prospect? No, but nobody is. And he's, I think the biggest takeaway with him coming out of the draft was his talents, his abilities, his arm fits this NFL better than any quarterback because of that quick release. Yeah, and you're going to see a lot of stats. You know, Wilson went 11 to 13 in the first team session in minicamp. Uh, he hit this guy. He hit that guy. Picked off by Sauce Gardner. Me, I, I don't care about the stats in these practices. What I want to look for is if he is making the correct reads against the right defenses. You know, as we talked about in the last podcast, we don't know what they're talking about going into these practices, what they're working on what they're trying to establish. So, you know, not having that benchmark, that info is a major thing. And what I saw Tuesday and Wednesday was really good things. He was making the right reads against cover two, hitting the soft spots in the middle, uh, placing it low inside away from a safety, uh, hitting the soft spots against cover three down the seam. Again, good placement. And he's reading the defensive backs leverage. That's the most important thing. You know, for example, I think one of his best throws was an incompletion. He had a, a weapon on a five to 10 yard out and got rid of it in the face of pressure. It wasn't complete, but it, if he had been on target, it would have been a pick six by Michael Carter II because he was on the weapons inside hip. And Wilson saw that and led him enough where it was safe. And out of danger, out of harm's way. So that's just a, one example of many where he's making the right reads. And I think Jets fans should be excited about that. Yeah, I think you gave a, broke, a breakdown of three days of minicamp. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to talk. Um, my mind my is done. I, you know, your knowledge of uh, uh, the system and, and defense uh, is astonishing to me. Um, no, I, I wish I would have seen some of it. I was there. For meeting, I didn't get a chance to go on the field, but you know, sometimes statistics are misleading when it comes to uh mini camps and OTAs is based on the pressure and was it a sack or this that. But um, yeah, from what I saw, he's making all the right throws and the connections he already has with the two tight ends and, and Wilson um has been great. But every day I've been seeing great photos and highlights of Denzel Mims making catches man how did he look in person Denzel looked okay I mean he looks a lot better than last year obviously yeah. but I think the good thing is they don't have to rely on him to be a, a top four guy right I, they really love Jeff Smith 
they really love Jeff Smith and DJ Montgomery is a guy to keep an eye on. So Mims is clearly, they do a lot of rotation and Mims is not rotating with the first team, you know, Smith and Montgomery and, you know, maybe one or two other guys are Mims might see a couple reps, but he's clearly on the second tier, but he looks good. I do think he looks good. Now are the ones going versus the ones or the ones going versus the scout team? I'd say about 50 to 65% of the time it's one versus ones, but the rotation is so major that it's scattered all over the place between teams and seven on sevens. So, so you could, you could have necessarily Mims, two. Yeah. The Mims isn't going against uh, sauce and uh, reading those guys. He's not very rarely, those. very rarely, but he, there are times where he does. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the rotation is just off the wall. So you could, you could have ones versus twos, ones versus threes, you know, the better percentage is one ones versus ones, but between the three teams, there's a rotation in there. And I really like that at running back at receiver at tight end, Yaboa, keep an eye on Yaboa. I don't know, Wayne, who are they going to keep at tight end? They have, they went from having no tight ends to five or six. It's going to be a major question this summer. It depends who could, I mean, Azuma and Conklin don't play special teams. Right. I mean, I don't see any place where they can go on special teams. You don't put a guy you give that much money to in the wedge or anything like that. Right. Um, Yuboa, I think he plays special teams. He's a, on the lighter side. You know, he could probably, you know, um, be on the kickoff return and stuff like that. Or, you know, uh, but I guess the kid from Ohio State, he's going to have to play special teams. He's yeah. Gonna, you know, it's going to be tough, you know. Yeah. To, to get the, the ball with all those guys there, you know, you just talk my tight end room. Now you go to the receiver room. I mean, there's me scrapping. I would not take a uh, Jets receiver or tight end in fantasy because it's yeah, no, right around no. and you could have a couple guys with, you know, seven, 800 yards, four or five touchdowns, you know, across the board, you know, a handful, a dozen, a half dozen of these guys can, can put those statistics up. How about running back too? I mean, you know, the floor comes from the Shanahan scheme and down in San Francisco, they never have a stud back. No, I mean, Brees, he he's a three down back. Carter's a three down back. And then you got Tevin Coleman still who played out there with LaFleurs. So, um, yeah, I mean, stuff happens, injuries happen, stuff like that. But, uh, I mean, they're deep. They're as deep as, as you can be as far as pass catchers in that offense. And any other guy at tight end to keep an eye on Lawrence Cager, the youngster who, uh, Minnesota, I, for, I think it was waivers. Minnesota claimed him off waivers late last year. Yeah. So he wasn't with the jets. Then he returned to the jets and he's a tight end. Now he is he was a receiver, play. right? Yeah. He was a receiver and he made, you know, he was making some splash plays as a undrafted rookie two summers right. ago, the COVID summer, um, with Mike white at quarterback, him and white were really connecting a lot of fades in the red zone. So he's another guy, you know, he's more of a, you know, pass only type tight end who presents a lot of matchup problems for the defenses, but he's another guy. Like it's, it's real tough. Yeah. He, he, but he's got a receiver build. So certainly yeah. he can run down on punts and yeah, he could be special offense. teams. Yeah. But uh, I don't know. What do you do? You gave those two guys all that money. You spent the, uh, you know, high pick on this, the, you know, the kid from Ohio state and, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's I, tough, man. It's, uh, you got Yaboa, you got Cager, then you got Wesco at fullback and Bowden too, who they like right. at fullback. 
you got two, two, three tight end sets, you know, four wide. Um, yeah. I mean, and these guys, these runbacks could spread out to Brees Hall could play in the slaughter outside. So they yep. just have to create mismatches and with all the personnel and uh, it's going to be exciting to watch. Absolutely. Um, really quick, uh, you know, for example, specifics with Wilson, the first play of teams, I think it was Tuesday, the first day, not Wednesday. I can't get into the specific routes, but he found Elijah Moore down the right sideline on a vertical play on a vertical route. And it was against a zone where he saw saw it was against sauce and he saw sauce's leverage, his hips turned inside and he used that against him and completed one deep to the sideline. So that was the first play, huge play. Second play was kind of more of a broken coverage. Jeff Smith was wide open down the left sideline touchdown got off to a bang out start. And then the very same day, Sauce got him back with a with a pick in the red zone. Some would say he returned it, you know, 90 yards for the touchdown. Right. I don't know if he would have got tackled or not. So they 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 went back and forth on Tuesday. Yeah. They're they're gonna be going at that for for a long time. All the young guys be going mm-hmm. against each other. I mean the young guys they got last year against the young guys they got this year. I mean uh it's uh Makes for a healthy competition. Uh, like I said this before, the uh, the games are easy. It's the practices, you know, that are difficult and hard going against the same guys every day, twice a day. We know your techniques, know your releases, know everything about you, know your splits. So, uh, yeah, they're going to get better. And uh, like I said, it's going to carry over to the game. Absolutely. And this is, like I said, this is the dead period, kind of strange. You ramp up for mini camp, get a month off, come back for training camp strong late July. Uh, another big storyline, Makai Becton returned to the field. He did not practice. He stayed in the rehab area with Carl Lawson and others, but he did return to the field, um, you know, watched on in positionals and or individuals, as they call it, um, but did return to the field, talk to the press Afterwards, wore a big bus T-shirt. So he's using, he's trying to use all the criticism, all the negative talk to his advantage. And, and you know, asking you, Wayne, as a former player, what do you think? Do you think that's the right move for Makai going forward? Yeah. We don't want to ignore it. You know what I mean? You know, it's not going to go away. So you might as well embrace it and use it as motivation to prove people wrong, to prove the media wrong, the fans who are, are, are in that way of thinking and your teammates think you're not working hard or putting in the effort. So, I mean, they don't need him till training camp. So I don't know what his weight looks like or what they're um, trying to do with them. But the biggest thing is get him to training camp healthy. And from looking at, um, you know, the sideline tape there, you could see he's, he's moving around, but, you know, he's coming off some bad, uh, bad injuries. Yeah, here he is. If you're watching on YouTube, here's the big man right here walking. We should put this to Terminator music or something yeah, as he's coming out of the building. Yeah, um, so he's uh, he'll be fine. I mean, like you said, you know, embrace it, what they're calling you this and that, and just use that, uh, you know, fuel to uh, prove people wrong. Yeah, there was even there was even a video I snagged of him trying to make a one-handed grab, and he swears he caught one before that. But I didn't see it. I got to tell, you know, I got to say, I didn't see it. Here we go. Not the greatest throw. Oh, wow. Yeah, not the greatest. I don't know who threw that, but Makai's laughing. Um, Hey, you can play tight end too, you know. 
that, that goes to the tight know. end problem they have. <laughs> I don't know. He's just keep the pass blocking and run blocking. So yeah. uh, overall, it seemed like um, the the atmosphere was competitive. Um, the guys were, uh, you know, loose. The coaches were loose. And uh, this looks like, you know, they set the tempo for what it's going to be like, set the tone what it's going to be like in uh, minicamp. And I think they're just going to pick up where they left off uh, leaving this past week. Yeah, absolutely. The atmosphere, like you said, is right on point. They're right where they want to be. Wilson was, you know, he, he other than, as we discussed last week, those few and far between moments where he gets struck by some thunderbolt, where he just overthinks it and his mechanics get screwed up, where it's the casual layup, you know, um, he, he looks sharp. He looks really good. Yeah. And the biggest thing now, some guys go home and chill and some guys go home and work. Right. And um, that's what they say. Uh, you don't have to get ready if you stay ready. If they just stay ready and maintain what, what they did in, in their uh, keep their wind um, and running routes and throwing the ball uh, makes training camp a lot easier when you are not the morning after the first practice, you know, limping and sore. You know, you're gonna you have the, all that soreness out of the way when uh, you know training camp actually starts. Yeah, and the fans were there too. I mean, not an open practice, but a select few with invitations. And uh, uh, I apologize, she's going to kill me that I forgot her name. But the Jets fan of the year who who was on our live live chat that you met, Liz? yes, yes, yeah. Liz. She was uh, she was there Wednesday, wondering if you were going to show up. She was crossing right. her fingers. I I only know that because she comes to all my appearances. <laughs> Yeah. Every appearance I do, you know, she comes and like she waits. And I always like to say, tell her to come to the front of the line and give her a hug. Yep. Uh, yeah, she's one of my biggest fans. And, uh, you know, we've had some great conversations. So I always look forward to seeing her. Yeah, great person. Great Jets fan. Yeah. Um, and, and Liz, too, I wanted to see you Wednesday, but I had to bolt out of there. Uh, prior commitment after practice. So my apologies. I'll get you next time. Yeah, I will be there come training camp. Uh Quite a few times, you know, I'm always in there for meetings with the sponsorship team and stuff like that. But uh, I have not really got a chance to ever really shake Coachella's hand or, you know, or Joe Douglas and get a chance to really just talk to him. Uh, so I'm looking forward to, you know, getting some time to talk to him, get to know him a little better. But everything they've done, you know, I'm a huge fans uh, of that. Yeah, I got to watch the documentary as soon as we hop off this podcast in about three minutes. Uh, we'll close on this. Jets Garrett Wilson, funny little story here. He had a priceless reaction after just dis after discovering the rookie dinner reality from the New York Post. Here, a lot of people covered it, but if you're watching it on screen from the New York Post, um, this was one of those situations where he went to dinner and he realized that everyone looks towards the rookie to pay for dinner, and it, it it's not a small check by the end of the night, right. It's uh, it can be costly and there's no like holding back. It's not like going out to steak dinner and, you know, they're drinking this and that. It's like, you know, 10 guys leaving and like, hey, let me get two steak sandwiches to go. Let me get a bottle of this, this bottle of that. They're like, you know, it's not just you have a meal and you're done. I yep. mean, uh, these type draft picks, you, like you say, it could be twenty, thirty, forty thousand dollars $40,000, something mm. insane. Uh, fortunately I didn't have to go through that cause I had no money. <laughs> and, uh, I remember, uh, it was like in the, be in the beginning, 
you know, after the you know team was set and um can't remember his name. He was he was a vet, but he wasn't starting. And I came in, he's like, Where's my sandwich? And I was like, What sandwich? He's like, You're supposed to get us sandwiches. I'm like, I didn't know what to say. I was like, I'm a I'm a star. I'm like, I'm not getting you a sandwich. I don't I don't understand. You know, I could carry your pads and stuff like that. I'm like, I, you know, I don't know what you want me to do. I have no money. You ain't got game checks, not like that. I got fifteen hundred to sign. That was all gone. So uh, I yeah. didn't know the rules, but fortunately, I didn't have to go uh, go through with some of these guys. Are going to have to go through in the uh, camp. Yeah, sandwich. I mean, of all the of all the things, sandwich. Yeah, man. I was like, you know, well, I don't know. I don't. I, I didn't have to stand on a chair and do the fight song like Ooh. Kyle Brady that year. Yeah, and, though, and those that was big. You know, that, back in your day too. T- these days, the hazing and stuff has gone away, but that was big back then. Yeah, so uh, it's great. It's part of the part of what you have to go through. So uh, you know, you just gotta get it over with, and then uh, it's kind of just you're part of the team, and you just go with the flow. Yeah, I guess Garrett Wilson was on uh, maybe with ESPN. I I'm not sure, but his quote was, "I've got to take all the receivers to a dinner." He said. It's going to be cool. I'm excited for that. And uh, Ryan Clark said, it's not going to be cool. <laughs> Listen, it's the receivers, the linemen. That's not who, that's the ones you don't want to take. True. This is true. For, for the receivers, you know, spell guys, they're not you know, going too crazy on everything, but those big guys can eat a lot. But uh, listen, I I'm jealous that he's just to do all that stuff. I mean, I wish yeah. I could do it all over again, and uh, I would pay any amount in the world to uh, take the whole offense out to out to eat you know, if I had a chance to play again. Yep, one of the benefits of being a UDFA, you know, you know, no expectations for the big dinner. None. <laughs> Um, Jets fans, check us out on iTunes. Rate and review is the best thing you can do. Five stars. Write a comment. You know. Tell both of us how good looking we are, how great we are when we talk. Um, YouTube, like, subscribe, all that stuff. Share it. Go to jetsxfactor.com. Visit the Underdog Jets podcast webpage in the menu and sign up using discount code 80. Get a free 8 by 10 signed autograph picture from Wayne Corbett. And Wayne, actually, you have to mail me some. Uh, yes. I got to get on you this week about that because we we need more. Definitely need more. Um, and uh all that good stuff. A lot of good content. We hired a new writer, Reevka Board. She's she's excellent. Um, I think she just talked about Boomer, uh, one of your old quarterbacks. I'm going to have to read that tonight as well. Um, so, yeah, good things coming ahead. July, right around the corner, and we're going to be in the swing of things for a long time. Yeah, so uh, obviously great to be talking to you and the fans, but uh, we'll still do some content before training camp. Uh, we'll come up with some good ideas, maybe watch some game film, go back in the archives, but uh, keep, keep, uh, keep an eye out for that. And uh, talk to you next week. Absolutely. And the next live Q and a with Wayne Corbett will be on July 25th. So mark that down July 25th, 7 PM. It's a loose date right now. If it doesn't work, we'll find a date around there, but figure late July, early August when training camp begins. Okay. Sounds good. All right, Wayne. Until next time, Jets fans, we will catch you later.